my best friends. I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today is our second part of telling scary stories to tell in the dark. We are about halfway through October at this point, and it is getting super spooky up in here. So we figured before we you know, wrap up and start goosebumps. We want to do the rest of the scary stories. Yeah, because these, you know, we just had so many that we wanted to cover. So I'll kick things off with the Wendigo, which I've been told ah! I'm not supposed to say out loud. So, you know, if hopefully I don't get got, but I just It's don't only have- because I'm living out here in Kentucky, way too close to the Appalachians for <laughs> comfort. And yeah, I think I am scared far enough away from them that they can't hear me, but I guess you can never be too sure. Um, anyways, a wealthy man wanted to go hunting in a part of northern Canada where few people had ever hunted. He traveled to a trading post and tried to find a guide to take him, but no one would do it. It was too dangerous, they said. Finally, he found an Indian who needed money badly, and he agreed to take him. The Indian's name was Defago. They made camp in the snow near a large frozen lake. For three days, they hunted but they had nothing to show for it. The third night, a windstorm came up. They lay in their tent, listening to the wind howling and the trees whipping back and forth. To see the storm better, the hunter opened the tent flap. What he saw startled him. There wasn't a breath of air stirring, and the trees were standing perfectly still, yet he could hear the wind howling. And the more he listened, the more it sounded as if it were calling Defago's name. Defago, it called. Defago. I must be losing my mind, the hunter thought. But Defago had gotten out of his sleeping bag. He was huddled in a corner of the tent, his head buried in his arms. What's this all about? The hunter asked. It's nothing, Defago said. (laughs) (laughs) But the wind continued to call to him and Defago became more tense and more restless. Defago, it called. Defago. Suddenly he jumped to his feet and he began to run from the tent, but the hunter grabbed him and wrestled him to the ground. You can't leave me out here, the hunter shouted. <laughs> Pretty selfish, honestly. Yeah, like um, Defago's like going man, through it right now. <laughs> Defago is, is being attacked. Then the wind <laughs> called again and Defago broke loose and ran into the darkness. The hunter could hear him screaming as he went. Again and again he cried. Oh, my fiery feet, my burning feet of fire. Then his voice faded away and the wind died down. At daybreak, the hunter followed Defago's tracks in the snow. They went through the woods down toward the lake, then out onto the ice. But soon he noticed something strange. The steps Defago had taken got longer and longer. They were so long, no human being could have taken them. It was as if something helped him to hurry away. The hunter followed the tracks out to the middle of the lake, but there they disappeared. At first, he thought that Defago had fallen through the ice, but there wasn't any hole. Then he thought that something had pulled him off the ice and into the sky, but that made no sense. As he stood wondering what happened, the wind picked up again. Soon it was howling as it had the night before. Then he heard Defago's voice. It was coming from up above, and again he heard Defago screaming, My fiery feet! My burning feet! but there was nothing to be seen. Now the hunter wanted to leave that place as fast as he could. He went back to camp and packed. Then he left some food for Defago and he started out. He's like, I'll do you a solid. I'm gonna leave you some rations. My man's hungry. (laughs) (laughs) 
Weeks later, he reached civilization. The following year, he went back to hunt in that area again. He went to the same trading post to look for a guide. The people there could not explain what had happened to DeFago that night, but they had not seen him since then. Maybe it was the Wendigo, one of them said. And he laughed. It's supposed to come with the wind. It drags you along at great speed until your feet are burned away. And more of you than that. Then it carries you into the sky and it drops you. It's just a crazy story, but that's what some of the Indians say. A few days later, the hunter was at the trading post again. An Indian came in and sat by the fire. He had a blanket wrapped around him and he wore his hat so that you couldn't see his face. The hunter thought there was something familiar about him. He walked over and he asked, Are you DeFago? The Indian didn't answer. Do you know anything about him? No answer. He began to wonder if something was wrong, if the man needed help, but he couldn't see his face. Are you all right? He asked. No answer. To get a look at him, he lifted the Indian's hat. Then he screamed. There was nothing under the hat but a pile of ashes. Ah! Dun, dun, dun. Although that Wendigo is not as scary as the other ones that are like skinwalkers. Oh my god, bro. There, have so, you watched uh, Skinwalker Ranch? Have you heard no. of that? There's like a ranch in like, I think it's Utah. I think that the show is probably like staged, but I mean, it is still spooky to watch. But they like try to do like science experiments to like yeah. rationalize like the spooky stuff that goes on there. Um. But it's like it's creepy. It's worth a worth Ew. a watch. There's like a bunch of like TikToks and stuff about like living in the Appalachians. They all like close their windows and blinds and like everything as soon as the sun starts going down. And like the thing is like if you hear someone say your name or someone say hey, like you can't acknowledge it or respond to it because oh. like acknowledging it is what allows them to like attack you. And also like whistling attracts them. So like if you're out in the woods or if you're outside and it's dark out, you can't whistle or like make any noise um to attract them. Um and also like they can they they're skinwalkers and so they can like take the shape of like animals but the animals like don't look right and so a lot of the time you'll see like like weird deer that have like weird features and that look like really mangy and like those are the ones that you want to like watch out for it's so creepy to me because like I also like I've seen like some tiktoks and there was this guy like riding his horse out by himself and then you just like hear off behind some trees you hear a voice go hey and the horse (laughs) immediately stops walking and it turns around and he's like oh bye all right (laughs) and i like i freaking hate that video it gives me such yes creeps i hate it okay um so this next one is called the hook donald and sarah went to the movies then they went to for a ride in donald's car they parked up on a hill at the edge of town from there they could see the lights up and down the valley donald turned on the radio and found some music but an announcer broke in with a news bulletin A murderer had escaped from the state prison. He was armed with a knife and was headed south on foot. His left hand was missing, and in its place he wore a hook. Why did they allow him to have a hook in a jail? Anyway. Let's roll up the windows and lock the door, said Sarah. That's a good idea, said Donald. The prison isn't too far away, said Sarah. Maybe we should really go home. But it's only 10 o'clock, said Donald. Donald's trying to get in there. He said, we are not going home. He's like, listen, I know there's a murder on the loose, baby, but I'll keep you safe. Yeah. 
Um, look, Sarah, said Donald, he's not going to climb all the way up here. Why would he do that? Even if he did, all the doors are locked. How could he get in? Donald, he could take that hook and break through the window and open a door, she said. I'm scared and I want to go home. Donald was annoyed. Girls are always afraid of something, he said. As he started the car, Sarah thought she heard someone or something scratch at her door. Did you hear that, she asked as they roared away. It sounded like someone was trying to get in. Oh, sure, said Donald. Soon they got to her house. Would you like to come in and have some cocoa, she asked. No, he said, I've got to go home. He went around to the other side of the car to let her out, and hanging on that door handle was a hook. Bro, Donald, I gotta say, Sarah, um, you deserve Donald. to get hooked. Yeah, dumb Donald, you deserve better. He's gasping. Donald's like, no, nah, I don't like right. cocoa. I actually have a curfew. No, you don't. Yeah, bitch. like he was fully prepared to stay out with you if it meant you guys were going to make out in his car, but no, he didn't want cocoa. Fuck you, Donald. Fuck Donald. Um, so the next one uh, is called The Haunted House, and it's also a little bit of a longer one. So one time a preacher went to see if he could put a haunt to rest at a house in his settlement. The house had been haunted for about 10 years. Several people had tried to stay there all night, but they would always get scared out by the haunt. So this preacher took his Bible and went to the house, went on in, built himself a good fire and lit a lamp, sat there reading the Bible. Then just before midnight, he heard something start up in the cellar, walking back and forth, back and forth. Then it sounded like somebody was trying to scream and got choked off. Then there was a lot of thrashing around and struggling, and finally everything got quiet. Hey, man, you should probably make sure someone's not actively getting murdered. That sounds (laughs) suspicious, huh? And he was just, like, listening, like, what what is is happening right now? (laughs) I guess it's just those ghosts. The old preacher took up his Bible again, but before he could start reading, he heard footsteps coming up the cellar stairs. He sat watching the door to the cellar, and the footsteps kept coming closer and closer. He saw the doorknob turn, and when the door began to open, he jumped up and hollered, What do you want? The door shut back easy-like, and there wasn't a sound. The preacher was trembling a little, but he finally opened the Bible and read a while. Then he got up and laid the book on the chair and went to mending the fire. Then the haunt started walking again and step, step, step up the cellar stairs. The old preacher sat watching the door, saw the doorknob turn, and the door open. It looked like a young woman. He backed up and said, who are you? What do you want? And then the art for this is terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's really creepy. He's like, it's just a young woman. No, it's not. No, that's a demon. (laughs) Mahant sort of swayed like she didn't know what to do. Then she just faded out. The old preacher waited, waited. And when he didn't hear any more noises, he went over and shut the door. He was sweating and trembling all over, but he was a brave man and he thought he'd be able to see it through. <laughs> so he, he was so him. brave. But he's so brave because he's got the power of the Holy Spirit of on his Christ. side. <laughs> so he turned his chair to where he could watch and he sat down and waited. It wasn't long before he heard the haunt start up again, slowly, step, 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 closer and closer, step, step. And it was right at the door. The preacher stood up and held his Bible out before him. This will shield me. May the power of Christ. <laughs> and then the knob slowly turned and the door opened wide. This time the preacher spoke quiet like. He said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, who are you and what do you want? The haunt came right across the room straight to him and took hold of his coat. It was a young woman about 20 years old. 
Her hair was torn and tangled, and the flesh was dropping off her face so he could see bones and part of her teeth. She had no eyeballs, but there was sort of a blue light way back in her eye sockets, and she had no nose to her face. Then she started talking. It sounded like her voice was coming and going with the wind blowing. She told her, or she told how her lover had killed her for her money and buried her in the cellar. She said if the preacher would dig up her bones and bury her properly, she could rest. Then she told him to take the end joint of the little finger from her left hand and to lay it in the collection plate at the next church meeting, and he'd find out who murdered her. And she said, if you come back here once more after that, you'll hear my voice at midnight, and I'll tell you where my money is hid, and you can give it to the church. The haunt sobbed like she was tired, and she sunk down toward the floor and was gone. The preacher found her bones and buried them in the graveyard. The next Sunday, the preacher put her finger bone in the collection plate, and when a certain man happened to touch it, it stuck to his hand. The man jumped up and rubbed and scraped and tore at that bone, trying to get it off. Then he went to screaming like he was going crazy. Well, he confessed to the murder, and they took him to jail. After the man was hung, the preacher went to the house one midnight, and the haunt's voice told him to dig under the hearth rock. He did that, and he found a big sack of money. And where that haunt had held onto his coat, the print of those bony fingers was burned right onto the cloth. It never did come out. Well, what a generous ghost. Yeah, honestly, she just wanted to rest. Yeah, I love that for her. She's like, listen, the church can have the money. Like, I'm tired. I am so tired. (laughs) I am tired of being strangled every night. Oh, that's actually really sad. This one's a little more lighthearted. It's called The Viper. Um, (laughs) We're going to end on a lighthearted note here. No, we're not. not Her song is after this. Um, (laughs) So The Viper. A widow lived alone on the top floor of an apartment house. One morning, her telephone rang. Hello, she said. This is the viper, a man said. I'm coming up. Somebody's fooling around, she thought, and hung up. A half hour later, the telephone rang again. It was the same man. It's the viper, he said. I'll be up soon. The widow didn't know what to think, but she was getting frightened. Once more, the telephone rang. Again, it was the viper. I'm coming up now, he said. She quickly called the police. They said they'd be right over. And when the doorbell rang, she sighed with relief. They're here, she thought. But when she opened the door, there stood a little old man with a bucket and a cloth. I'm the viper, he said. I wish to wash and wipe down the windows. <laughs> and I love that it's like lighthearted and all. But why did she open the door when the, she was waiting for the police? Yeah, it's like, like huge mistake. <laughs> like, do you not have a peephole? The viper literally said he'd be right up. And she's like, oh, thank God it's the police. It's probably the, the police. <laughs> yeah. Even though she literally just hung up with the police. And they're like, yep, we'll be right there. She's like, must be them. So this last one is the Hearst song. I'm not going to sing it, but I will read it. It's so freaking. (laughs) I don't even know the melody to the Hearst song. It's eerie. I mean, they have the sheet music underneath it. Oh, yeah. I forgot they did that. I don't know how to play piano, though. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) True thing. Don't you ever laugh as the Hearst goes by, for you may be the next to die. They wrap you up in a big white sheet from your head down to your feet. They put you in a big black box and cover you up with dirt and rocks. All goes well for about a week. Then your coffin begins to leak. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. The worms play pinnacle on your snout. They eat your eyes, they eat your nose, they eat the jelly between your toes. A big green worm with rolling eyes crawls in your stomach and out your eyes. 
Your stomach turns a slimy green and pus pours out like whipping cream. You spread it on a slice of bread and that's what you eat when you are dead. I literally hate that so much. I cannot put it into words. Yuck. Um, the whipping cream part is like, yeah, what that's really what gets, gets me every time. <laughs> In the jelly between the toes. <sighs> Perfect. Alvin, horrifying. you have outdone yourself. <laughs> Alvin is truly the master of horror. I like that half of these are really funny too, though. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, he's like, you know, we need to like weave a little bit of like lightheartedness. Like some comedic humor in here. Like we can't be leaving the children too scared. Thanks for listening to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, next week, we will be covering the second book in the Cat and Mouse duology. Uh, hunting, hunting, Adeline. Adeline. I had to think. Haunting. Hunting. hunting. So, Yeah. Haunting, then hunting. There's like an A in the first one. So think like alphabet. And then there's no A in the second one, obviously. Um, And then we'll wrap up the month by reading our favorite Goosebumps novels. Yes. And I can't wait to um, discuss those. So my favorite Goosebumps novel, so you guys can like, you know, either look up what it's about or like remember it if you read it as a child is Night of the Living Dummy. It's the one about the ventriloquist doll. So that's the one I will be covering. Um, and mine is, um, it's called Welcome to Camp Nightmare. Yeah. And it still scares me as a grown adult. Oh, yeah, same. So does Night at the Living Dummy. So those are the Goosebumps books that we will be talking about. So join us there. And as always, let's get lit. <laughs>